You're listening to the Super Expander Podcast. Aligned goals are pivotal for expansion. You don't need me to tell you that. But what happens when your flame weakens? What really happens when it totally goes out? Reignite Your Goals starts with awakening to the emotions that pull you further and further away. Letting go of your shame, denial, and frustration, and figuring out why your body is resisting your goals are the key to success. Regulate your nervous system, release the blocks, and reassess Kristen your path forward because your goals are ready to be reset and reignited. Principal scientist at Whoop. Her research is focused on the psychological determinants of human flourishing and the frameworks and policies to support it. She has a background as an elite athlete, both collegiate and at the USA level. She's also been a coach at the collegiate level and the international level. She's also most recently a published author. Let's dive in. Hello, hello, Super Expanders. Welcome back. I am so, so excited you are in for such a treat today because I am sitting here with one of my Super Expanders. I'm so excited for this conversation. If you can't tell, I'm like bursting out of my skin. Welcome to the show, Kristen Holmes. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes, I'm so excited. So uh, I'm just going to give a little bit of a context before we dive right in. So I've been like stalking her on Instagram for like the longest time because she's got like the coolest job ever, which we're going to talk about, but you know, we never start that way here. It's super expander. So uh, let's just dive right into the deep stuff. Who are you? Who is Kristen deep down on a soul level? Well, yeah, I guess it's <laughs> the part of me that I probably don't share a whole lot, although it's kind of woven into the framework of everything that I do, but definitely very much a nature girl. Um, you know, from the time of being very, very little, I just spent huge amounts of time outdoors. I wasn't very supervised growing up. So I had lots and lots of time on my own. So I lived when I, I guess when I was kind of five to seven, I lived in Tennessee and there was lots of hills, had a huge woods in the, in the back. So I spent loads and loads of time making friends in, in my kind of back, backwoods and roaming the woods. And then my family moved to France actually. And we lived in the hills, kind of the base of the Jura mountain, this beautiful little town called Toiri, which is about 15 minutes from the Geneva border, the Swiss border. And yeah, so I think that really influenced me, you know, just kind of growing up in, in kind of nature. So I ended up writing, I write a lot. I write a lot of a lot of poetry and a lot of I guess short stories and so I think at my at my core I'm I'm very much you know kind of a a writer and I really love that but yeah and then I, I suppose you know just sports have always been a huge theme in my life played lots of sports growing up and one of my I guess earliest influences uh, was uh, Pat Summit who is the head basketball coach University of Tennessee. So when I was really little, little living in Tennessee, my, my dad we lived right outside of Knoxville and my dad would bring me in to watch their games. So that was, I think, really where I got super excited about sports in general and definitely basketball. And, you know, I think I ended up coaching for many, many years at the collegiate level. So I, I think, you know, somewhere in, in my mind, Pet Summit was kind of my North Star. So before we really weave into the idea of all, all this writing, you have I kind of want to talk about the fact that writing and poetry, sports, and then 
really strong background in neuroscience. So how let's let's talk about how this all plays together and how you get to fill all of those cups for yourself because they're, I mean, those are three vastly different things. Yeah, I suppose they are. And, um, you know, I think, so I'm a psychophysiologist. So a lot of my work involves understanding the relationship between our psychology and our physiology and, um, you know, and, and really kind of how those interactions, what we can learn about those interactions and how they can help us understand human resilience. So my core, like I really am interested in, in questions related to human resilience. You know, what are the, the really the behaviors that are going to enable us to take more control over the trajectory of our health, both mental, physical, and emotional. So a lot of my research, I'm a scientist, so a lot of my research is geared in that area. But I think, I guess how it maybe ties together is I've just, um, you know, I, I think I'm just kind of a curious person. And, and I think, you know, nature, when you spend a lot of time in nature, you end up asking a lot of questions because there's all sorts of stuff happening in nature that are, you know, are novel, right? Like it's just like a new stimulus all the time. And, and there are so many questions that arise when you're just sitting in a pasture watching a cow, you know, like move their tail, like, you know, which I did for hours at a time. <laughs> But so I think I just became really interested in, in just kind of asking questions. And then, you know, as I kind of grew up and started interacting with humans, you know, that a wildly entertaining kind of subject, understanding human behavior and, you know, was really into coaching and athletics. So I was really interested and curious about my own performance levels. You know, what does it take, to, you know, peak for an Olympics or, you know, to kind of make a World Cup team or to, you know, win a national championship? Like, you know, what are the kind of underpinning, you know, what underpins that, you know, psychologically, physiologically, you know, emotionally, how do we actually kind of create conditions that enable sustained levels of performance? So these are questions that I, you know, was very much as you're interested from quite a young age and, and kind of have been asking over the last couple of decades in my research and then just testing some of these principles kind of in real time in, in various high-performing environments. So as you were talking, I actually kind of just, just to think, I'm like, I in a lot of ways, it's not necessarily that they're also vastly different, though, either, because when you think of the the writing component and the poetry, does that for you serve as almost like a recovery piece? Oh, there's no question. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of it is just just making sense of my life. You know, I, I think at, you know, at a young age, like I, you know, in, in some ways had like a really tough up, upbringing. <clears throat> my mom was, you know, an alcoholic and very depressed for much of my life. So she was largely unavailable and it, you know, it's sad, you know, it, but I, there's nothing that I could really help her necessarily. So I, I think I took uh, a lot of solace in writing and, you know, and, and I think it was just a way for me to, you know, express my emotions and make, make sense of my emotions. And it almost like felt like if I didn't write it down, it like wasn't real, you know? And, and, and so I think that that for me, at a young age was was very anchoring and kind of made me feel like I was I was participating and, and had a had some control over over my life, I suppose. So yeah, I think that that really it was very much like a emotionally like a, a very grounding process. And then sports were another outlet then I'd say yeah I'm gonna guess I'm an athlete. Yeah. So it you really get to channel all of your emotions into mm -hmm that, that movement. So look like for you, how did, I mean, played in college, that's a pretty, pretty big deal. And then you coached in college. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I always found, I loved being a part of a team, you know, just feeling, you know, the kind of the cliche, just being a part of something a little bigger than yourself and working toward a goal and a, a mission. Like, I love that. And, you know, I was always so fortunate. I had amazing, amazing coaches who were so kind and generous with their time and took interest in me as an, as an athlete and a person. So I felt really valued and, and, uh, and, you know, the kind of the dark side of that though, is you really create an identity out of that, you know? And, and so when it kind of goes away or doesn't go well, you know, that's kind of a whole nother layer to kind of explore and work through. But, but, but I think that's all, those are all good things that I, I think sports kind of brings out, but, but yeah, I mean, I absolutely loved being a part of team and, um, you know, I was really fortunate enough to play, you know, in the big 10, I, I played a couple sports, I played basketball and field hockey, and then went on to for the U S national team for seven years. So I was able to represent the U S which is always like a goal of mine. So I do think that, you know, for me, sports was definitely an outlet, you know, like, Oh, just really safe place to kind of get away to and, and feel like I could really express my, express my full self in, in that environment. So that, that journey from, you know, childhood through college to where you are now, you have a pretty cool job, which we, now we really get to share every, mm. with everyone what it is that, that you do. So let's, let's talk a little bit like how through college to where you are mm. now, get, let's get everybody caught up to speed. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So after I graduated from college, I, I was working actually with some, a couple of PhD students, they were building for lack of a better word, a kind of a performance education platform. Neither had any kind of sporting background. They were more kind of on the sex, kind of the psychological side. I didn't actually at the time have any physiology background other than just being an athlete and, and being around it. So I had good intuition around it. But we're really, what I, I started working with them on was basically a performance education platform that was kind of marrying the physiology and the psychology, knowing that, you know, a lot of these interactions are very much bi bi-directional hard to prove causation, you know, but, but that the fact that, you know, sleep impacts your mood and, you know, things that now we, we very much are rock solid on and know, you know, we still were a little fuzzy on, but really that I think opportunity to kind of work with these PhD students while the back end of my, while I started coaching at University of Iowa, which is my alma mater. So that was kind of my first job as assistant coach, but I was also playing the national team at the time and working with these PhD students and getting my master's. So there's a lot going on, but, but that was really, I think the foundation for kind of this concept of performance science and got me really excited about this field of really understanding, you know, what underpins effective effort and, and energy production and motivation and how can we sustain that consistently over over time and how do we build an infrastructure in a sporting team, for example, or in an organization where we can kind of promote these behaviors so people can have more control over their performance levels. So that's really at the end, like I wanted to kind of create an education and a platform that at the time was for my student athletes that would allow them to feel like they had more agency and control over over, over outcomes, right. Which can feel really, you know, kind of out of control and random sometimes. So yeah, so Iowa, and then I started my own business. I ran that business for like 20 years as a camping clinic and coaching business. So I was kind of doing that in parallel to kind of all this other stuff. And then I was hired as the head coach at Princeton university where I coached for 13 seasons and we did really well. We, you know, kind of, I used this performance education platform. It was really kind of central in my recruiting message and kind of getting student athletes to the program. And then, you know, really what I kind of try to sell these student athletes on was that, you know, you're not just going to 
learn to be an exceptional field hockey player. I was coaching field hockey, but you're also going to learn, you know, how to, how to control your performance levels. Like I'm going to give you this amazingly robust performance education over the course of your four years as well. So as a, as a result, we started attracting like high performance athletes. Like it was really cool. And we ended up winning a national championship and well, won 12 Ivy League championships in 13 seasons. So kind of like one of the, you know, the winningest Ivy League coach ever, which is crazy. But it was all because we had these just phenomenal student athletes and I think a really cool platform to recruit those student athletes on. Yeah. And then I was building my own technology toward the back end of my career to basically start to quantify things. So we had this education platform and I'm like, all right, like, you know, what if we could start to minimize some of the guesswork by understanding volume and intensity and understanding things like recovery and sleep. And so I raised like a quarter million dollars and started, hired some PhD students at Princeton's, some, you know, computational biologists and six machine learning and started building basically um, the company I work for now. Whoop. I was kind of building like a Doppelinger that was very similar. And that's what led me to Whoop is we became aware of each other and 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 I decided to kind of join forces with Whoop. They already had hardware. I, I didn't have hardware. I was just pulling API from a Fitbit and transforming the raw data and, and kind of creating algorithms off that. So they were kind of way far ahead. Yeah. And that's that's kind of how I ended up at Whoop. What a cool journey. So something that you said inside of there really stuck out to me, which was this idea of of your physiology and the the basically choice and agency. Mm-hmm. And which kind of brings me to what we were talking about before we hit record here, because I feel like the biggest piece for us is, is learning how to identify what that feels like in, mm-hmm. in your body. And you've got something really, really cool that you're, you have coming out here. I think it starts is learning these cues when you're a child. So let's, let's talk a little bit about what, what's coming up and how that all relates. Yeah. So I just finished writing a book. It'll be, I think, published and available tomorrow. So I'm really excited. It's just a little book. It's really geared towards young girls, kind of eight and up. And it's really a super simple framework to start to think about you know, what is worthy of a yes? You know, what do we say yes to? And, you know, I think it starts with feeling safe and confident enough to really trust your inner voice. And I think, you know, a lot of that, you know, doesn't necessarily come by accident, right? We have to develop that that skill. And, and I think a part of that is, you know, definitely honoring our emotions, but, um, but really challenging our own thinking and, and kind of having a process for self inquiry and, um, and knowing what to accept about ourselves, right. That self-acceptance, but also knowing what might not be serving us. Right. And, and what does that kind of conversation internally look like? And, you know, the, also in the, in the book is kind of this notion of, of, of values and, you know, and, you know, every time you can look inside for the answer and consider your choices in the context of, of your values, you're kind of building this, this yes muscle. So it's really a book to help young women start to really think about what does it look like to be an active participant in kind of creating 
my own point of view about my own life, you know, not looking outside always for, for validation and, and, uh, you know, really looking more inside. And, and so, and, and I think, you know, a lot of the, you know, student athletes, amazing daughter, I'm a mom, you know, who's so intelligent and confident and independent. And, but I think, you know, when I think about a lot of the the student athletes and, and when I look at my daughter and, you know, I think, I, I think the, the, the individuals who are, who are really grounded, really anchored, look inside first for the answers, you know, and, and I think as a result, the anxiety that comes with seeking approval starts to lose its foothold, you know, and, and I think that's what can really get in the way for both, you know, for everyone, <laughs> but, but I think, you know, women can be particularly vulnerable um, with, with that. So this book kind of aims to, to surface some of these ideas. So what I love about that was, first of all, we, before we hit record, I was also showing everyone that I literally, you guys, I did not, didn't even know, put on the shirt today. It says girl power on it. And I literally <laughs> right in right before we hit, we hit record here. And so when you were telling me about this book and everything that's inside of it, I started thinking about we, you know, we're born, I think, with actually this feeling of agency and knowing what is yes, but then we start to learn it. And this idea that you're talking about of creating this safety, what I, I think is so kind of cool and wild about it is that the work that you're doing at Whoop has so mm. much nervous system regulation. And this yes muscle truly is also nervous system regulation. And so you're talking about yeah. building the foundations for young women on how it is that we learn to regulate our nervous system outside of the performance level, right? But it's going to go into that piece too, because we do need to know how, like, how to gauge those indicators in our body as to what is a yes, whether it's at a performance mm. level or whether it's on a values level or an integrity level mm. or all, all of the things. So I'm so, so excited about this. So when did this seed of a book, when did it, um, when did it start to sprout in your heart? Well, I wrote the poem last summer and, and then I shared it with one of my friends in the fall. And, and I said, oh, I'm, I think I'm going to give this to my daughter for Christmas. And, and he, he thought it was really good. And, and so I was kind of like, but it was funny. I was like nervous kind of to give it to my daughter, you know, cause I didn't, I always, I never wanted to feel like giving her advice overtly, you know, because she's, you know, teenager. And you know how teenagers respond to like, you know, advice giving. So I was a little worried, but, but I ended up, I gave it to her. I kind of framed it and, and give it to her for Christmas. And she was like, she's like, mama, I think other girls would really benefit from this. And that's kind of what got me thinking. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I could make this poem into a little book and started working on the illustrations and thinking about, you know, what would be a good picture for kind of each section. And yeah. And then just like did a little bit on the weekend, you know, I actually did a lot over Christmas break and then, um, sorry, my dog when I had extra time, but then, yeah, I just kind of just little by little, just worked on it. And yeah, before I knew it, it was done. <laughs> I love that. So nervous system. Just yeah. like, the, the best, best, right. The best regulators ever. Okay. So you've had quite, quite the ride, right? From, from, from college to representing the U S the coaching in college, creating, well, the fundraise for 
this this platform and merging with Hoop and now a children's book. So that's a lot. I mean, that's a, those are huge <laughs> accomplishments. So I have oh. to ask, who has been an expander for you? Who is the person that, and I'm sure there's many, we all have many, but what sticks out as the person that really showed you that all of the big things that you're, you have done, that you are doing are possible? I mean, I, you know, I suppose my, my dad has always been, you know, a really just rock solid human in my life. You know, he, he traveled a ton while I was growing up, but, um, but has always, you know, always just been there for me. And, you know, he's just an individual who's got so much integrity. And um, I think like never, you know, I was always achieving, trying to achieve in, in the classroom and, and sports. And I was always so hard on myself and, he was, it was like, didn't matter how I played. He didn't love me any differently. You know, like he was just like that one person who I just really believed, like it just, you know, he just really loved me for me, you know, and, and it wasn't this other stuff. And, and I think that really set me on an important uh, trajectory in that, like I started thinking at a pretty early age of, about I- identity and what I wanted to reinforce and, and, and who's, what is, you know, what kind of part of me that I want to kind of carry through my life. And, parts are okay to let go. And, um, and I think he, he never said any of this, you know, it's just really kind of how he lived and, um, how he functioned in, in the world is, is kind of what I learned from. So I suppose my dad for sure has been, has been an enormous influence. Um, yeah. And I think like just, you know, most recently, one of my really dear friends, Dr. Gemma King, who's co-supervisor for my PhD really encouraged me to pursue my PhD and, um, and so I, I'm super grateful to her for encouraging me and supporting and, and definitely Will Ahmed, the CEO of Whoop. He's just amazing and has been so, so supportive of my career and, you know, just my academic pursuits and really growing as a scientist inside the company. So yeah, really grateful to to him as well. Oh, I love it. That's, that's so many people that impact our life in so many different ways. And I love to, mm-hmm. to hear the stories. Yeah. Okay. So I know everyone listening wants this book. They want to be able to get the book for themselves, to gift the book to all of the little girls in their life. So how, how can they find it? What's the best? Well, it'll just be on Amazon. I'm going to make a post as soon as it's live, live, um, which I, like I said, should be today or tomorrow. I'll, I'll do a kind of a little post on Instagram. So I suppose Instagram will be the the best way. And and the proceeds will go to Girls Inc. I think probably the Worcester or Boston chapter. So, you know, kind of putting putting it back. Hopefully the funds will do some good at for some of our local young women who, you know, need a place to to hang out after school and to grow and to learn. And yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. So we'll make sure that there is a link for everyone to thank you book in the show it's just on Amazon. So, you know, you can just kind of type in yes, girl's book and it should come up. Yeah. We'll make it extra easy, right? <laughs> It'll be right down in the show notes. And then if they are, they want to follow along on the journeys. The best ways to best ways to find them or find you is on Instagram um, or what's, I guess so. I mean, I, I don't really have a whole, a big plan on Instagram really. I just kind of I post a lot of, as you know, like a lot of things about research and, and a lot of the research that my team and I are doing around these kind of behaviors to help facilitate, um, you know, human flourishing and resilience. And so, yeah, so Instagram's a great spot. I, I try to, you know, post things. 
I talk a lot about like training and <laughs> that sort of thing and just in stories. Um, and then kind of how to, how to regulate our nervous system is always a big theme. And yeah. And then LinkedIn, it can also be a good place, you know, a, a post maybe more kind of team centric organizational type of insights on LinkedIn. Amazing. Well, I will make sure all of those are in the show notes for everyone to come and, and find you and say hi on whatever platform and make sure they can, they can get their hands on that book. So, oh my God, just do you hear my dog? Yeah, so cute. <laughs> yeah, too funny. So if there was any kind of last words of wisdom you wanted to, to leave the audience with, what, what would it be? Well, if I can, if I can link a behavior <laughs> You probably, you probably know, I, I talk about this a lot, but a lot of my research is, you know, trying to understand, you know, what kind of behaviors are going to move the needle the most in terms of upgrading kind of both our physiological and psychological functioning. And we've kind of found like what I think is like the canary in the coal mine. It's, it's tough because it's a, it's, it's not really an easy behavior to adopt necessarily, but it is so predictive of uh, all sorts of measures of psychological functioning, workplace resilience. Um, perceived stress, general anxiety, and then markers of, of physiological functioning as well. We're seeing it linked to sprint times in a study that we're, we're wrapping up on the West Coast, uh, perceived mood states as well. And this one behavior is sleep-wake time. So the more variable when you go to bed and when you wake up, the less well your physiological and psychological functioning is. So you want to really try to stabilize when you go to bed and when you wake up within about yeah, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, the most in terms of variability, and definitely want to try to fall asleep before 11 p.m. There's a lot of magic that happens before 11 p.m. and you want to make sure you capitalize on that. After 11 p.m., our body starts to feel less safe. So the later it gets into the evening, the less safe our body feels and we start to produce you know, adrenaline and, and, and epinephrine and, and cortisol and, um, and cause our body feels like it's, it needs to perform or something's going on. Like things aren't safe. I can't fall asleep when I want to fall asleep. So I'm all of those obviously have a compound effect one night, not a big deal. A couple nights, not a big deal a week. You're okay. But, but you really want to try to stabilize when you go to bed, when you wake up as often as humanly possible. All right. So when you tell your children to go to bed, you should also go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's tough. Like, you know, I think modernity doesn't really set us up for success, right? We've got all sorts of artificial lights and which don't make, you know, which maybe impedes our melatonin production, which, you know, when we look mechanistically at metabolic dysfunction, you know, the lack of the kind of muted or kind of suppressed melatonin production is kind of at the root of that. You want to have really robust, beautiful signaling. And, and a lot of that actually happens during or doing during the waking hours <laughs> impact when how and when we can fall asleep and, and then the quality of our sleep, right? Obviously really matters in terms of restoring mind, body, and, 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 you know, kind of having the emotional regulation next day. So um, yeah, but yeah. Stabilizing I, wake up. I believe it. I believe all of it. I think I must be, I was meant to have been born in a different era. Cause I pretty much at around like nine 30, I'm ready to, to go to bed almost every single night. <laughs> I know I am. I am the same. I know. I always feel like I like, I like to press flowers. Like I do all sorts of things that just are not in this, like, yeah, the, this century. <laughs> I am with you. We're, we're kindred spirit in that way. Oh. Oh my goodness. 
So I know that you are a busy, busy woman, and I appreciate so much that you took the time out to have this conversation. I cannot wait to get the book. Yes. So excited for that and, and to keep watching all the cool things that you're doing at, at whoop and yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much. So grateful for you. No, I appreciate the ability to have this platform to, to talk to you. So, and thank you for all the good work that you're doing. It is just exceptional content and hope. Yeah. I, I love all the work that you do. So thank you. Thank you. We will <laughs> catch you on the next episode. Like a fire needs oxygen and fuel. You're not meant to reach your goals alone. Your missing part could be as simple as finding the right community. And if it's not my community, there's definitely the right one out there for you. If you're looking for a place to start, check out the link in the show notes and let this community help you breathe in fresh oxygen.